It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. You can find Blackballed on The Ringer NFL feed. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. What episode is this? 229. I'm on it because oh. you know my number, baby. Deuce, deuce, nine. 227 plus two. Episode 229 of The Full Go Podcast is in full effect. My name is Jason Goff. Hey, how you doing? That voice that you have already heard is that of Tony Gill and Tony, I have had an interesting last couple of days, man. This is spring break for the little ones. So, you know, I've, uh, I've he's in spring break camp, technically, where like it's an arts camp and they go and film and produce and act and like do all those artsy things. So I chose, uh, being the great dad that I am on Wednesday, to take that little man to a movie and say, hey, man, screw spring break camp. We hanging out today, right? Like, I didn't do it, like, on a school day. I'd probably get more cool points as a dad if I did it on a school day, right? But I did it on a spring break camp day, spring break camp day, and he was like, hey, you know, 
what are we doing tomorrow, Daddy? I'm like, oh, whatever you want to do, player. So messed around. Tony, I took this young man shopping for his spring break clothes. He hit a little bit of a uh, growth spurt. And uh, what I found is um, I became my father and my mother all rolled in one during this shopping adventure, um, saying things like money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, I hope you learn how to take care of your things because, you know, you don't know what it takes to get this. Um, and then I stopped myself. And I was like, nah, hell no. Nah. Fall out, baby. Do whatever the fuck you want. Get everything off of every single shelf that you possibly do. What? Do, yes, you do need a Michael Jackson leather zipper jacket. Yes, you do need that. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, what, over there? Oh, what? You, you say you need the entire Ralph Lauren polo bear on every piece of stitching of your clothes? Get it all, baby. We out here. We enjoying ourselves. Now... I'm sure I'm sure I'm going to pay for that at some point down the line here. Hell, I paid for it the other day. But that wasn't the highlight of the day, Tone. Um, I went to go see the Super Mario Brothers movie with my little guy. And man, would I tell you this. There is nothing like enjoying something that your child is enjoying. Because I grew up on Super Mario Brothers. I will never forget the Nintendo Entertainment System that was under the bed after I was asked to clean my room, uh, was it the day after or before my birthday? I load those many years ago. Might have been like 1987, maybe? 1988, something like that. We had just moved to Evanston, right? So pops and moms apparently came up on some money some way, somehow. And uh, we messed around and you know, got into the, the spot over there at, I won't say, well, 1400 Darrow, the 1400 block of Darrow, right across the street from Evanston Township, told me to clean up my room. And I was like, oh, damn, got to clean up my room on my birthday? This is garbage. Like, who, who are y'all? Like, this is America, okay? Whatever them traditions were in Belize, we celebrate children's birthdays in this country, goddammit. You know? And uh, I go to clean up my room. And under my bed was a Nintendo Entertainment System, ladies and gentlemen, with, uh, you know it, the, the, the gun, which I know now would probably be, you, can you imagine handing a child a, a, a video game like Desert Eagle, which is pretty much what they sold to you in the Nintendo Entertainment System? So y'all know, hey, real ones know, right? And then, like I, like I just, um, like I just detailed, my parents were doing okay, but they weren't doing well enough to get the trackpad. Yeah, that NES trackpad that you could run on for the Olympic Games, right? Because who, who didn't want to play Olympic video games, right? Like who didn't want to do the steeplechase and jump hurdles and do all that goofy shit, right? But I didn't have, I didn't have, you know, I wasn't bestowed upon with the, the gracious kindness and resources of my family to get in the trackpad, but I damn sure had that Nintendo Entertainment system and of course it came with super mario brothers uh a 45 or a desert eagle uh <laughs> whatever you would like to to call it but it came with a nintendo entertainment system gun and it came with the game duck hunt now we all know that duck hunt was uh, a game that was pretty much at that time forming the, the the first militia members like let's face it man you you throw you throw a, a video game on a screen and give a, a child a gun to shoot yeah, at some point the, those skills are going to work and uh, grow to something that you probably can't control right so i'm sitting there putting the gun up against the screen cuz i can't shoot you know just hitting everything and then 
I jump into Super Mario Brothers, and it changed my world. Super Mario Brothers is one of the greatest video games of all time. And kids, you don't have to believe me. I'm telling you the truth. I would not lie to you. Super Mario Brothers is right up there with Donkey Kong for me, like all the all the old schools, right? Uh, Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man, you know, that's, that's the Biggie and Pac of video games, right? But when we talk about Super Mario Brothers, we're talking about a, a next-level, uh, multi-dimensional universe, and then you get to save a princess. You're out there eating psychedelic mushrooms and getting bigger. You're throwing fireballs at people. You know, you, you're, trying to, you're trying to, you know, jump down every sewer or pipe that, that the, the world, imaginary or real, can offer. Take it easy, Tony. I saw you just now. <laughs> there will be no pausable moments in this first 10 minutes of this broadcast. <laughs> but down the pipe, Jay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had to, you had to down the pipe in, in, in old Super Mario Brothers. Jesus Christ. This is why we're glad you're back, brother. But no, nah, man, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, okay. And then the, the trailer, the trailer came on. My guy was like, hey, I want to see that, daddy. I'm like, say less. What? Noon. Thursday. I'm sorry, Wednesday. See you there, partner. And we went and we saw the movie, and it was pretty damn good. Like, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was like a cartoon, you know, one of those fancy ones that y'all kids have nowadays that look real and but aren't real and, you know, make you cry, but you shouldn't be crying. A couple of adult jokes in there sprinkled in for all the, the callbacks. Like, and apparently people have a problem with Chris Pratt. Like, I'm not privy to that world. Uh, but there was a, a bunch of young white men who jumped in my mentions when I said that Super Mario Brothers was fire. Uh, a couple of them had to mention that, ah, Chris Pratt didn't ruin the movie for you. No, I just said the fucking movie was fire. Why would you think it would be ruined for me? Right? Like, just, you know, stop with your passive aggressive nature and say that you just don't like whoever this Chris Pratt gentleman is. And I'm sure after this pod, I'll look him up and realize why I shouldn't have liked him. It's kind of like the conversation we had with uh, L the other day when he brought up uh, Ezra Miller. Right. And I'm like, oh, man, Flash, can't wait to go see it. And then, you know, I saw I saw I saw Lawrence's face kind of cringe a little bit. Like, oh, damn. Like, am I out here rooting for another problematic superhero or problematic Hollywood star? Right. And then I went and read Ezra Miller's rap sheet. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I guess I'm there. But man, I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the movie. And uh that was the last enjoyment I've had over the last couple of days, to be honest with you, because Chicago baseball, and especially the Chicago White Sox brand of baseball, has been kicking me in the rocks for the last 72 hours. Now, I'm not going to go overboard. I'm not. Okay? You, you played your ass off against the Houston Astros, split that series, but you looked like the better team in that game. Not going to go overboard. But what happened versus the San Francisco Giants? And if you don't know, like... When these series pop up, I try to I'm I'm gonna start to try to book around some of these baseball series, you know, people from those areas, the visiting team or whatever the case may be, and try to tie in whatever ham-handed baseball, you know, uh, connection I possibly can while also talking to them about their lives. So I wanted to try to get Larry June on uh for this series because one, Larry June is one of the uh, I, I think one of the the better acts out right now in, in the hip hop world. I just came out with an album uh, with the alchemist called the great escape. And man, it is, it is cold. Like all the way through, like I let that thing rock today, just riding around, listening to it. It was a nice little, 
I won't say summer breeze, but a brisk spring breeze and the sun was shining. I felt good about myself today. So I rode around listening to some Larry June. And man, apparently the Giants were listening to Larry June the entire time they were here in Chicago because they hit 13 home runs in the series against the Chicago White Sox. Now, the Michael Kopech thing, uh, call that scouting, call that tipping of pitches, whatever the case may be, they they bust his ass. And they, they, they hit him quite hard. The bullpen came in, didn't do any better. But this Lance Lynn thing, the first start, the first start, I was like, all right, you know, easing on back in there. He's still a bulldog because he didn't look crazy. He didn't look wild in that first start. Just got touched up a little bit, left some things in the middle of the plate that you don't want to leave in the middle of the plate. He got his ass handed to him. But this San Francisco Giants star is a little bit different. Now, I can't be the guy on one hand tone who was like, hey, man, let the, let the fellas engage in the WBC, right? The World Baseball Classic. Enjoy yourself. Go out there. Have a good time. If you get hurt, yeah, whatever. Because no sport uh, identifies with countryship and um, just the, the civic pride that baseball has when it comes to uh, not only Latin America, but, you know, the, the Canadian chaps love themselves some baseball. You, you, you know, you, you, you look at that Netherlands team and, you know, they, they do enjoy the game. You know, shout out to the first time that I realized that uh, Andrew Jones you know, was considered Dutch, right? Like, you know, the whole Curacao thing, right? Yeah, yeah. See, look, yeah, look Tony was like, oh, I didn't realize that. thought Andrew Jones was just a brother who spoke Spanish. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, he's, you know, he's the diaspora. You know, go ahead and look it up. But we know what it is. Like the Mexican team turns up. The Cuban team turns up. Uh, you know, the Venezuelan team turns up. Hell, the American team turns up. So w- you understand coming out of World Baseball Classic or going into it that it is, um, you know, it's their Olympics for better or for worse. It's their country, Super Bowl, ownership, you know, World Series, NBA Finals, all smashed into one event over the course of a week and a half, two weeks. And Japan and and and, and all those teams jump in there and you, you enjoy yourself because you get to see some terrific matchups like the end where we saw Shohei Atani striking out Mike Trout to end the WBC. So I can't be the one guy on one hand that goes, all right, enjoy yourself. I'm not mad at you if you go out there because I know a lot of Mets fans are pissed about, you know, what's happened injury-wise. And a lot of baseball fans are pissed that their players go and play in the World Baseball Classic and then the teams that are paying them millions and millions of dollars have to suffer because guys are hurt or guys aren't as well-rested. But sometimes guys get on a little bit of a, not a, not a hitting streak or, or you know, uh, start to tune it up more, but... Guys get focused in a different way going into that thing. And maybe guys start to ramp it up a little bit too early for themselves. And maybe that's just what's happening in the landslide. You know, maybe that's what's happening. Um, If there's a dead arm period going on right now, that's fine. And after his start, like, I'm not speaking out of turn. Lance Lynn said he had a piss poor effort. And that's exactly what it was. He was terrible. He was terrible. The man walked, I believe, what, 19 people all of last year? He's got seven walks in his first two outings like that is something to take note of and if teams are just going to sit back because I don't want to panic too early right I don't want to do that as a White Sox fan at all but looking at this thing after the Houston Astros series you know the White Sox still got something to prove to uh the Chicago White Sox fan base 
And I know they, they probably think that after a couple of series as well. And they have more to prove to themselves, to be honest with you, and more to prove to a, a first-time manager who's seemingly going to put his foot down when things uh, necessitate it. But, man, this team, you know, they can't rest on any laurels. Like, I'm, I'm watching this squad and thinking to myself, and it's not just, yeah, if you get beat because your pitching is bad, that's fine. But, hey, man, the Giants were hitting in the same way that the Sox were. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. The scouting reports are scouting reports. Jacques Peterson followed his to a T. Don't know why that can't be the case for the rest of the White Sox lineup. And I know Luis Robert has started off this year. Uh, he started off this year pretty well at the plate, you know. And, of course, in the field, he's been outstanding. You're already on the, the injury watch with Eloy Jimenez. Right. I mean, I, I still think they need a little bit more left handed power. No, they went out and signed Andrew Benintendi, but he's not he's not a power hitter. Right. And now you got the the Gavin Sheets, Jake Berger uh, platoon going on like it's very early. But the, the prove it to me stuff starts now. Right. And the Tim Anderson uh, ejection, a lot of people up in arms. Uh, saying you let your team down, getting ejected in the game in a series where uh, you haven't fared very well. And Pedro Grafold did what he was supposed to do. He protected the player that he knows he's going to have to ride with all year long and said, hey, we're just going to have to sacrifice some things because we like that in him. We like that leadership. We like that spunk in him. So if they got to sacrifice a few innings, you know, every three or four weeks, apparently, because this has been like eight or nine times now that this man has gotten kicked out of a baseball game. And he is one of the more mild-managed stars in this city. If you really put it on, like, on, on, on a balanced scale, a balanced sheet, let's think about the stars in this city. You're talking about DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, okay? And then for the, for the Bears, you're talking about Justin Fields, right? And for the Cubs, who are we talking here, right? Kyle Hendricks, maybe, you know, who, who's the best player for Ian Happ, right? These are all calm, subdued guys. I beg to argue that Tim Anderson is more subdued and more calm than all those dudes. To be honest with you, then you look at these moments where he has these eruptions and you're like, all right, what's happening here? Right? And, and I, could, I could say this with, with complete confidence. I think Tim Anderson understands what last year was. Optically, uh, from a result standpoint, uh, from an expectation standpoint, and also from a hype standpoint. Like, Man, that man has people calling him, and and don't think I don't see what y'all doing out there, by the way. You know, uh, there are people calling him Jackie in all caps and using it as a pejorative, right? Like, we, we know where this is coming from and what's going on right now. For the last couple of years, he has been called Little Ricky. You know, a lot of people compared him to Ricky Henderson, the way he leads off ball games with the pop and the flair that he does. Um, I, you know, the, the Jackie Robinson comments, uh, about changing the face of baseball and being like the new age Jackie Robinson. Now, the people who want to take shots at Tim Anderson and want to talk shit about Tim Anderson uh, in moments where they should and moments that they shouldn't are saying and putting a foot in calling him Jackie, whether it be on social media, you know, sprinklings of it throughout the, 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 uh, the crowd, whatever the case may be. We know what you're doing. We know what you're saying and how you're saying it, right? I wish you wouldn't be as and just say what you mean and what you want to say. Right. I just I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. And, and, and I don't like the fact that Tim Anderson, um, you know, got kicked out of that, that baseball game. Not at all. I, I, I'm not the guy that's, that's celebrating it at all. But I do understand 
how early it is. And if this becomes a disturbing trend, then we should probably, uh, you know, take heed. Yeah, he's been thrown out maybe a couple more times than you would like for your team leader over these last three years, four years, whatever the case may be. But I look at it as a team that is pressing, and rightfully so, um, because they know what the hell they were last year. And and I think this might be an 84-85 win team as is, right? Like some things, you know, when you take a look at them and you kind of recalibrate what the expectations were and what they should be going forward, I think I'm meeting somewhere in the middle. I thought this team, and and I still think this team can make noise in the playoffs, right? I still think this team has enough thunder in the lineup. And if those top two or three guys in that rotation can not only stay healthy, but pitch consistently up to their potential. I mean, I'll throw Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, and Lucas Giolito at anybody, but you got to tell me that Lance Lynn is okay, right? And you got to tell me that Lucas Giolito is okay and healthy and and in shape. And you also got to tell me that Dylan Cease, because... We're starting to see something here. Um, That slider is his featured pitch. And the San Francisco Giants put it on tape. It's like, yo, if if it is a slider or, you know, an off-speed count, we'll tip our caps, but we ain't chasing. And what happens is those pitch counts get elevated. Next thing you know, he's out there for five and a third, five and two thirds, and he's five and fly kind of guy. You don't like you don't want Danny Heron out there, right? And sorry for the stray at Danny Heron, but you don't want Dan Heron out there. But at the same time, you don't want him throwing anything, nothing but ground balls. You still want him to be effective in the zone with his off-speed stuff. And I think the Giants just had a better uh, game plan. And they executed it. Now, they hit in the same weather that the Sox did. So when you're talking about 16-6 to and these double-digit runs and all this other, hey, go ahead and feel free to put up a crooked number, you know, a few innings in a game too, Sox batters, right? Go ahead and go ahead and go to work. Like, I'm, I'm okay with the fire. I'm okay with the pizzazz. I'm okay with the shit talking as long as you are um, actually uh, coming through. And I want to say coming through in the clutch because there are moments in the third inning that are just as big as moments in the eighth inning. I mean, hell, we've seen it already with Pedro Grifo messing around and pinch hitting guys and moving things around in the lineup. He he saw Alex Wood and said, you know what? I think this might he might be on the way out of here. I'm gonna throw Gavin Sheets on in there. Like, I like that. One, I I like the fact that he is taking advantage of any move when he, whenever he possibly can without it feeling like he's overmanaging. So I'm I'm down with that part of it. Um, I think he's done, you know, he hadn't had to really overmanage any one of these games so far, especially in the Astros series. There's a couple of times where guys were running in the outs. I mean, they, you put Oscar uh, Colas in there for uh, Romy Gonzalez, you know, for his first at bat in, in a pinch hit role just so he wouldn't have to go up against Framber Valdez. Like, I, I understand the moves that Pedro Gafol has had to make. He hasn't had to do anything extraordinary as a first-time manager of the Chicago White Sox and a first-time manager of his career. So I think he's been fine thus far. It's just been these first seven games or so, it's been, it's been players. I mean, players have won the game and pitchers and players have lost the game. So I'm not, I'm not quick to... Uh, press the, the panic button right now, but I am under the guise of, hey, man, you still got shit to prove. Like, last year is still, that taste is still in everybody's mouth. And when I was around opening day, when I when I go shout out to uh, to uh, Lawrence Holmes and Layla Rahimi and Dan Bernstein, dropped in on them when they were at Cork and Carry at the park, uh, Sox home opener, 
right, against these very same San Francisco Giants. The crowd was socksish, but there was that feeling of, okay, let's see. <laughs> let's see what this team is talking about. So that's not going to change. Until this team is running around and winning 10 out of 15 or, you know, winning a couple of series back-to-back in dominating fashion, I think Sox fans are going to be on the edge of their seat and also just trying to figure out what they can expect. And that's all we tr- well, that's all you pretty much can do throughout the, the course of a long baseball season where you go throughout the summer and you can't ride the 162-game roller coaster. It can't just be up and down, up and down. Baseball doesn't work like that. But at, at the same time, you have to be showing me some kind of upward trajectory, some kind of um, steady climb into the, the the baseball that you preached that you were going to play this year. Now, if you're getting your ass beat because the pitching is bad, not much you could do about it. But if you're not picking up the baseball, if you're not uh, running the base pass with efficiency at high IQ, if you're not throwing to the right base runner, I'm sorry, to the right, you know, cutoff men, if you're not if you're not Eloy Jimenez and you're not, you know, for whatever reason, done dealing with the soft tissue issues, I mean, it's another hamstring issue. I mean, I, like I was at the point at the end of last year where I was like, hey, man, if if they want to go ahead and press the button on Eloy Jimenez, I, I won't be mad because I don't know if you're ever going to get the potential fulfilled out of that bat and out of that uh, hitting eye and, and and just who he is as a hitter. Uh, for a 162-game season. I don't, I, I don't know that you'll ever get that. So where we are right now, Sox fans, is pretty much where we were when this thing ended last year. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So, Tony, we've come to that point where we're, what, 19, 20 days away from the NFL draft and everything's flying this way, that way. What are the Bears going to do at nine? Listen, listen, I'm going to make this very, very easy for y'all. Very easy for y'all. For everybody out there who's like, oh, you you, you can't take this guy at this pick or you can get this guy at any any point in the, in the draft. Um. Do y'all know what the fuck we watched last year? Like, that was one of the worst Chicago Bears teams in Bears history. Not just in recent memory. In history. It was one of the worst teams. So, for anybody to be running around saying who they should or shouldn't draft because of need, (laughs) 
oh, you got to you gotta go offensive tackle at nine because, you know, Justin Fields. Yeah, listen, I was the same dude talking about Justin Fields not having a line or not having wide receivers last year. But you know what Justin Fields needs? Some other good players. He needs, whether he looks at his running back or whether he looks at the other side of the ball and it's an edge rusher, he needs other good players, right? So, and I'm going to say it right now, and y'all might be mad about it. If Bijan Robinson, I almost, I almost threw both of them into the, the fly machine, by the way, and, and made the super player who was going to go two ways on you. Damn, damn, this is the second segment in a row where... All right. Yeah, that's, that didn't sound good either. So, <clears throat> B. John Robinson at number nine is the scuttlebutt as of late. And people are like, oh, no, you, you can't draft a running back at nine. Hey, uh, hey, y'all. This team was ass last year. You have to put as much talent on the field as possible. I'm sorry, man. Like, and, and we can go back and look at first-round running backs over the, the course of the last decade or so and see how they fared. And everybody wants to point at Ezekiel Elliott and wants to point at Le'Veon Bell, who was second-round running back, by the way, who wants to point at, you know, Saquon Barkley and all that. Yeah, but guess what those first three or four years were for those gentlemen in the NFC East? Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. And guess what Justin Fields needs in this moment? Short down in distances. <laughs> Justin Fields doesn't need to be in third and sevens too much because if Justin Fields is the dude that I think he is, it's okay to have your Marshawn Lynch. Right? Like, it's okay to have the dude that you can just give the ball to. And I know B. John Robinson isn't the running style of Marshawn Lynch, but the way that people are talking about not only his Texas career, but his high school career, this dude has been the man for a very, very long time, right? And in this NFL where you're going to do it by committee to a point, but if you can mess around and put that dude in the slot, if you can go ahead and split him out, if you can go ahead and put him you know, in the, in the pistol, if you can go ahead and put him in the shotgun, whatever you want to do with him, if, if I have a guy that is going to dictate not only coverage, but what the box is going to look like, God damn it, I can't stop. I can't stop. <laughs> what's going on? I think it's because I'm going out later on. I think that's what it is. I think it's because my lady is out of town and like this is the this is the first night that I'm actually going to do the whole, you know, uh, while the cat's away, the mice is going to play. And now my mind is taking me back to summer of 2020 when the last time I was a reckless youth running around without any responsibilities, right? But no, man. B. John Robinson, if he's the dude, he's the dude. Like, you know, I, I'd rather Paris Johnson or Peter Scarron. So you're going to tell me you're going to draft a dude who's going to be kicked in the guard at some point in his career at number nine over a cat who might get you 15, 14 touchdowns next year? Nah, I'm not going. I'm not going. Y'all can say I'm playing video game football, anything y'all want. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Nope, nope, nope. Guess how Russell Wilson became great? Russell Wilson began, go look at Russell Wilson's pass attempts. In his first three or four years with the Seattle Seahawks, before it was, quote, let Russ cook time. Yeah. Russell Wilson was throwing the ball about 20 times a game. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and look at it. And, and half of them joints seemed like they was play action. You know why? They had Marshawn Lynch. 
He's out there bruising people. He's out there putting people in, in, in. Like, if you can run the foot, and I know, I know, people think it's some kind of archaic, you know, cliche, but man, there is something to be said for doing something that someone knows is coming and can't stop in that sport. If you're getting pushed around for two and a half, three hours, if dudes are gashing you left and right and you got whatever talent or scheme you think you had coming in and the game plan is just wrecked because the dude who is giving the football at the line of scrimmage is just better than everybody else, then God damn it, roll. I'm rolling. I'm sorry, man. I... If you don't have Patrick Mahomes, if you don't have Josh Allen, if you don't have Joe Burrow, if you if, jo, if Justin Fields is none of those guys, let's say he is, let's say Justin Fields is a 10 to 12, 10 to 13 guy in terms of ranking in the NFL. One, you're going to have to pay him, right? Because we're talking that Andy Dalton Cincinnati era where it's like, uh, we don't have one of them ones, but we got to pay him. But just a different flavor to it because Justin's going to be more entertaining and probably going to miss more games because of injury, that kind of thing. But if he's not one of those top five to six guys, guess what helps? The running game. And then you've got Robert Tanyan. You've got, uh, you've got Cole Komet, who apparently is one of the few blue-chip prospects <laughs> in the building. Just let Ryan Poles tell it. You need someone to tote the rock. And I like Khalil Herbert as much as the next guy. But okay, <laughs> dude, you know he's 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 a late round drafted, high reward, low risk player. You went out and got Deontay Freeman, who was a load back. You know, not gonna make you miss. So you got your short yardage, dude. But what if you throw a dynamic dude? What if you throw what Reggie Bush should have been into the Bears' backfield? Think about that. Think about what you open up with an offense where Luke Getze is messing around, borrowing from everybody's playbook the second half of last year's football season just to make things work. And then he went on a four-game run where they were scoring 28 or more points, and we are like, oh, oh, it's happening, it's happening. But you know what? They had to do it because the most dynamic plays were coming from the quarterback. So how do you take the burden off of the quarterback and his legs? You put him on somebody else's legs. So for all this talk about what the Bears should do, at number nine, and what they absolutely shouldn't do at number, there is no shouldn't do. I know they met with Jalen Carter on Monday, right? Try to try to figure out what's what's going on with that young man, what he's going through, what he's going to put people through, what he's going to put himself through, how much money can and will you invest in a person of his character or of his flaws, whatever the case may be. If Jalen Carter is there at nine, then I think the whole NFL messed up. You definitely take it. And then you, you, you go, all right, <laughs> staff, <laughs> support him. <laughs> you feel me? Uh, security, support him. Tremaine Edmonds, support him. Everybody on defense, support him. Because this could look like the early days of Tampa Bay when they were putting that thing together with Derrick Brooks and Warren Sapp, right, and Rondé Barber and John Lynch. I mean, take a look at what you got right now. Why can't, well, I won't just say why can't because you don't want to put Hall of Fame type aspirations and expectations on a guy. But, hey, you drafted your safety. You're actually pretty good at the safety position in Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker. We'll see what you are at the corner position, but I'm not too mad at it right now with Kyle Gordon, Kyler Gordon, I'm sorry, and uh, Jalen Johnson. And then, what do you got at the defensive line? Man, 
If Jalen Carter's there, you draft him quick, fast, and in a hurry. You don't even let, what was it, 10 minutes these days, seven minutes, five minutes? You don't even let, you don't let half of that time go by. And if you feel as strongly as certain people feel in this draft about B. John Robinson, you go ahead and take him. This team needs playmakers. And if you're going to be bad, you know what they need to do? Sell that new stadium. And if you've got a player who, you know, and I'm not saying this should be the Bears' fate, but say you got Calvin Johnson at the running back position going forward. Like, say you got a a Marshall Falk type of player. Well, guess what? You're going to be able to tell people, come watch this dude. Come watch him and Justin Fields while we get this thing together. While we draft on the defensive side, while we put money on the defensive side, here goes two studs on the offensive side, and we're going to see who can't block. We're going to see who can't get open because those two dudes, we believe, are as dynamic as anybody in this division. Y'all messing around talking about go draft this guy and go draft that guy for need. He won three damn games last year. Had the number one pick in the draft. Now you're talking about, yes, and there is a need everywhere and especially at playmaker. (laughs) Now, is there a playmaker offensive tackle in this draft? Seems like it is a deep offensive tackle draft. Doesn't seem like it's a very top-end heavy draft, because then if that was the case, we wouldn't be talking about the first one being drafted at 8, 9, or 10. We'd be talking about that dude being a top two or three or four. Remember the draft not too long ago? We we had Jake Matthews, uh, Lane Johnson, um, a couple other. There was like Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher went number one overall out of Central Michigan because they didn't know who the hell to take for first round. For, was it four four tackles in the first like eight or nine picks? That's when you think you have a draft where it's like, oh no, there's gonna be a run of them at the top, and you need to go get one. But if you go out and get a dude in the second and third round that's just as good as some of these dudes that they're talking about in the first round, some of them might even be kicked in the guard, which no disrespect to the guards out there, but everybody knows if you're a guard, that means you weren't good enough to play center or tackle. So, yeah, if we're talking about this dude being one of the most special running back uh, prospects that we have seen, in the last 10, 12, 15 years, hey, all that draft strategy shit and 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 history be damned. Yeah, I know. In four or five years, he might be done. But guess what? He will have carried you. He will have bridged you from the Justin Fields that we know now, hopefully, to the Justin Fields that gets paid and then ascends to the quarterback that we think he can be. And then you go ahead and get yourself your, your fifth or sixth round because guess what? By that point, you will be sunk, you'll be sinking so much money into that dude that you can probably skip on a running back. <laughs> Right? Like, this is, this is about making not only the organization better, but making sure that dude is coming along as easily and as efficiently and as effectively as he possibly can. You go out and get yourself a wide receiver and DJ Moore. You go out and trade what's going to be the first pick in the second round for Chase Claypool, which also kind of lets me know that they didn't think that they were going to be this bad last year. Because going into the trade deadline, when you make a move like that, and then you know you're going to be the worst team in the league, like it doesn't it doesn't add up to me. The chair, all this consternation about who the Bears go draft, and you gotta take this, and you gotta take you gotta take the best motherfucker on the board. It's as simple as that. And if it's a running back out of Texas, then goddamn it, sign me up. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, 
view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So when this thing drops, uh, you guys will be getting ready for the Bulls-Mavericks face-off. I don't know if the Bulls are going to play anybody. Billy Donovan's talked about resting guys Um, (laughs) this season, (laughs) these last couple of games especially. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? Bulls have guaranteed themselves a losing season, but also guaranteed themselves a 10th spot in the play-in. I keep thinking about what this team should have been and could have been and what they are. Uh, I thought this would be around a 44-43 win team. Uh, They've fallen well short of that. (laughs) With with, They'll finish up, what, 38, 39 wins on the season, 40 wins on the season. Um, Yeah, and to hear, and I think the most disheartening thing uh, is to hear the guys talk about the games in the manner that they have. Like, I, I can't put it together how you can come out and say, well, the team wanted it more a couple of times in the same week and then turn around and show me the Memphis tape in the second half where you just blew away the team that was second in the West wet record-wise. So in that moment, you knew what it was to want something more, right? So. It's not even about schematics to me. It's not about, you know, running the the the, the, the proper stuff. Yeah, of course, you know, they, they did the normal forget about Vooch thing. We should do the forgot about Dre parody song and just do a Vooch. <laughs> he had 18 points in the first half. He got six touches and three points in the second half uh, against the Bucks. And this is without Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's without Chris Middleton for the second half of the game. Um, it's just, you know, you saw a team that's championship pedigree, championship medal against a team that's not. And the the troubling thing for me is the uncertainty, not only at the end of this season, like, but what this season could have been or should have been both ways. Because, man, when I saw that big motherfucker shoot a three-pointer and then follow it up with a tip dunk, I said to myself, what was this all-star, well, post-all-star break really worth? <laughs> right? Like, man, we go, hey, listen, <laughs> this may be one of the wildest, like, and I know, you know, getting the number one pick overall when so many teams are trying to get the number one pick overall in the year. But when you talk about the blessing that Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans bestowed upon the Chicago Bears the last week of the NFL season, where they go out and get a meaningless win and the Bears seal the number one pick, <laughs> and then they trade it for their number one wide receiver and a first rounder and a couple other picks put next to their franchise quarterback, 
man, all this post All Star break, you know, number one defense, and <laughs> you know, it was like ten and five at one point or something like that. And one of the hotter teams, well, one of the one of the better teams, net rating wise, in the Eastern Conference, and and y'all didn't do that shit all year long. <laughs> and then to top it off, the basketball guys just drop, you know, this. <laughs> This seven foot four guard <laughs> on every highlight imaginable. That shit. Like, I've seen some amazing things. Shooting a three point shot and then following it up and tip dunking it back home. Like, that, that might be one of the 10 coolest things I've ever seen on a basketball court. And I was in the house for the night that Goran Dragic got baptized by D. Rose. Like, like, I've seen some pretty cool things in person. But, man, <laughs> Whoever gets that dude, hey, good luck. You, hey, I hope his feet hold up. Like I hope he stays healthy because I want to see all of that promise fulfilled. Like I was too young to really understand the Ralph Sampson thing. All right, to to see a seven foot three dude to be able to shoot, put it on the floor like that. But like the game has evolved to the point where, yeah, you you put. You put Ralph Sampson tape on, and then you put you put this dude tape on. You're like, hey, Ralph, go go grab some bench, <laughs> go 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 sit at the end of that one right there. And I know, I know that. Jay, my nipples were watching that. Hey, oh, listen, man. hey, hey, oh. I, I, I was excited oh. for you. I was excited for you, Tony, and I and I know how sensitive those can get on you. So oh. I I know, I know, you know, you didn't know that, did you, Jess? But yeah, man, yeah, learn something new every day, every single day on the, on the Full Goal Podcast. Yeah. The the Victor Wimbanyama thing, man. This is gonna be the season where any team that didn't really have a chance at winning the championship, that didn't uh try to figure something out to try to get that young man. This is gonna be regrettable. Now, I know, Bulls fans, you haven't been thinking about Victor all year long. And you shouldn't. But when he did that, boy, I thought to myself, what were all those late game turnovers for? Like, and what, what, what were all those small ball five lineups about? <laughs> like, what, what were all those blown leads to the Indiana Pacers? Like, why did we suffer through all that? Only to not have the pick this year? Right. And to get a play-in opportunity. You know, the, the, the 10 seed has never won a play-in game. Never. In the history of the play-in tournament. So maybe the Bulls can make history. Uh, but I know what I'll do. And I'll continue to do. Um, I'll, I'll continue to watch Victor Wembenyama highlights. Shit, I just started pronouncing his name correctly. I was calling him Frank for the first half of the basketball season. You know? He, I will not do that ever again. I am sorry, Mr. Wembenyama. My man Tony Gill puts in the chat, Bulls Big 3 played the most minutes together in the NBA, still below 500 and headed into the play-in. Yep. That's about right. That sounds about right. Hey, man. Good luck. This Dallas Mavericks game, woof. Then Bulls Pistons, enjoy. You're going to get a lot of Marco Simonovich minutes there, boy. You're going to get, watch Pat Williams go off for like 27, 28 or something like that. And we played this game going into next season about, you know, what he should be and all that other stuff. But y'all can enjoy. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to watch Victor Wembanyama highlights. Hopefully Tony's not in the same room with me because it'll make for an uncomfortable atmosphere. The full goal. 
with Jason Goff. That's all the time we have for the Full Go Podcast, brought to you by the good folks at The Ringer. Of course, Spotify is the gang. Uh, we'd like to thank our production staff, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, and of course, the active Jesse Lopez. Oh, look at Jesse. I mean, we got to take this in. We got to take this. I don't know how many more we got with the young, the young champion over here. We'll talk about that here in the next couple of pods. We always love our guy, Jesse Lopez. And, of course, my main man, Tony Gill. Is this ship sinking? Like, wait a minute. Everybody, people jumping off this bitch, jumping back on it. Like, what's happening here? Hey, Bill, get on the phone with your boy. <laughs> oh, man, keep the uh, full gold voicemail line uh, close and near and dear to your heart. 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. We will talk to you again on Sunday. For the fellas, thank you so much for downloading this thing. Thank you so much for subscribing to this thing. And of course, thank you for rating and reviewing it, giving it the five stars that you know it needs. Now we're going to see you in the streets. As always, take care of each other. Be safe. And remember, stay sucker free.